Welcome to episode 218 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my irresistible co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. And this week we're coming at you with the real 420 edition of the cast on this, the 4th of July, 2020. We're going <gasps> to blaze it for America. Blaze it for America is right. And we will be irresistible to your ears as we are coming at you live from, I don't know, someplace patriotic heartland america heartland usa <laughs> right in the center of good old deer lock in wisconsin wash your hands through the whale after you just shoveled some shit of your cows and you're going to throw some hay to your horses i don't know what do farmers do gotta what bail a- up that hay <laughs> he was a rancher he was a farm rancher he's a good guy he's a good old good old democratic guy uh we watched Irresistible this week, and you just reminded me that um, that is a small thing that I that was inaccurate about this movie. Hmm. Well, not inaccurate because he's not a farmer; he's like a colonel who I guess he does farming, but like there was no uh, big old industrial fucking Iowa farm where it's just like where your job is a mechanic and you're just like sitting there, you're working on your giant John Deere rig, and you run through like a thousand acres of fucking corn, and that's your day. I guess all they needed to do is put a to podcast on the cab of your giant ass fucking super machine. He, he's a dairy farmer. Is that what he is? A dairy well, farmer? Or, or a cow farmer? I don't know what he does. Cow farmer? That would be he's a dairy a farmer. Yeah, cow farmer. I'm going to farm some <laughs> well, cows. Well, the farmer and the cowman should be friends. One man likes to milk the cow, the other man likes to push a plow. There's no reason why they can't be friends. <laughs> the cow catcher on the plow? And I didn't see a dog. Everybody knows a farmer has a dog to wrangle in the sheep or whatnot. He had two dogs in the beginning. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did have two dogs. They attacked Steve Carell's character. I watched this like twice. I should have remembered. (laughs) But they never made another Uh, appearance. That that might explain why I got to this thing at 2 (laughs) a.m. I had to watch Hamilton, okay? That is a three-hour experience. (laughs) Is it? Jesus Christ. Uh, Yeah, two hours, 40 minutes, I think, maybe. Uh, Some or other. That's a lot. Well, there's a lot to get into it today. We got three, some... This won't be a three-hour experience. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Uh, let's, if we fuck around forever, then it might be. But uh, before we get into Trey Watch, we once again would like to uh, ask everyone to check out a show for for uh, one of our one of the friends of the program here. Once again, this week it will be uh, Central Florida Film Review. It's a podcast by a friend of the show. Josh Harover that uses the power of audio to bring films to life in ways you don't typically see in the podcast format. Um, since the last time we uh, came to you with them, they have produced eight new episodes. Um, the most recent one talking about The Last Jedi, and uh, they've upgraded. He's upgraded his equipment. Show sounds a lot nicer now. Not that it was terrible before, but it sounds. Sounds professional now, and he is actually offering a new service to other small businesses. Uh, for just 20 bucks, you can get a professionally recorded and produced advertisement 
uploaded to all the relevant social media platforms that you could ever want. He will uh, take a script you give him, he'll record it, he'll polish up the audio, he'll put it on your social medias for you, and it's only 20 bucks, which, uh, as far as advertising goes, pretty reasonable. Um... So you can so. contact him via email, joshua.harover, two R's, H-A-R-R-O-V-E-R, that will also be in the description of this episode, at gmail.com or on Facebook and Instagram, presumably under the name Joshua Harover. All right, so now let's get into our trailer roundup segment, and we have some trailers to talk about here on Trey Watch today. Man, it, could, it feels oh boy, good to be, do we? To, be, to be back into the trailer season. And they're releasing shit now. Yeah. I mean, some of these are repeats, but I don't care. It's new stuff. Some well, of these. We, we have a brand new trailer for a brand new movie on a brand new streaming service. That's right. Who doesn't want to talk about American Pickle? Fresh out of the brine, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we've, been, we've been covering this story for weeks. It's been developing. We've had our eyes on it. It's fine. The trailer's finally broken. I um, feel like we broke the news first that this movie was happening. The Saturn Studs exclusive. <laughs> Breaking news. Burr, burr, burr. Um, yeah, let's talk about this trailer. Uh, so Seth Rogen it's... plays an Irishman alongside Seth Rogen. <laughs> he was doing some variety of accent. Yeah. He was trying his best. Um, it really it's reminds me of like Eastern European accent. Reminds me a yeah. lot of like Futurama, except instead of a thousand years or whatever, it was a uh, it's a hundred years. Yeah, and um, and I guess both of those take their homage from uh, Rip Van Winkle, who was the original. Oh yeah, I fell asleep for a long time and woke up displaced out of time. Yeah, sort of story. Except he yeah. falls into a vat of brine. <laughs> Which yeah, definitely would factory. preserve you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that yes, salt. The science on this is is solid. You would definitely not drown so. before. Now the trailer is very interesting because it, it sort of pushes different elements of the story than the than what I what I imagine is the main thrust of the of the short story. Uh, and that's they spent a lot of time talking about um, modern day Greenbaum's parents and how they're gone, um, which wasn't I don't remember that being a huge element in the short story. They also make the modern day Greenbaum uh, family member less of a dick. They really could have upped the dickage. Well, I mean, they cast Seth Rogen, and I think they felt like that just had them covered in that department. It's, he's got that natural dick persona. He's got natural you just dick You look at vibes. Seth Rogen, and you're like, yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> now, they didn't... I, from, I don't think they put all the jokes in the trailer, which is a good thing here. Because there are a lot of, like... Yes, that is a good thing, because there were not many quality jokes in the trailer. Yeah, because even or Igor or whatever is what, what was the old dude's the old Greenbaum's name? I don't know. I the guy just, from it's Seth Rogen with beard. <laughs> yeah, uh, beard Rogen. Uh, he in in the story he has a couple like long ass rants that are actually pretty funny, where like you know the the young guy is like he's talking about like oh I fucking broke my nail or whatever he's like yes I remember 
we we were in Pickle Factory, I remember man getting his entrails ripped out. I dream every night of him <laughs> screaming to me for help. I understand. <laughs> he just describes some industrial hellscape. It's great. I think it's um, gonna be cool. I I, I want to see it. I don't know if I'm going to see it on HBO Max. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. They're really going to push for that I, on that platform. I have to see if there's like a yeah, couple that... more things coming out for HBO Max. Because like right now it's got... HBO Max are cowards. They're not going to... They're going to remove five controversial episodes <laughs> of South Park from their streaming library. Dude, who is removing episodes of the Golden Girls? For mud masks. I don't know. <laughs> They they took out um, four episodes of Thirty Rock off of the streaming library because of the blackface. Yeah, you know the one the one thing I don't know who did it. I forgot what service. I think maybe Hulu or something. Wherever um, Mad Men, yeah, wherever Mad Men streams, um, they kept in the episode. Apparently, it was a pretty crazy, or not- notable episode because. It's, Mad Men's not that old. It came out a couple years ago, or has been coming out the past few years. Um, but they were like, "No, we want to show you how messed up like the 1960s were, and how like acceptable right. it was." Which is, I think, the proper way to do it. Now, I mean, yeah. it, it's. I it's think this the, is a mistake on a lot of these media companies' yeah. parts for removing episodes that are oftentimes critical of racism and race issues. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they have like black in the word, in in the ti- or in the scene or in the title, that's like, it's like if I just was like, black people, mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing there. Yeah. And then um, you have an episode. Yeah, of the Office, so I think the say. way, and I'm kind of surprised because HBO Max and Warner Brothers are like either owned by the same parent company or like in bed together because Warner Brothers content is showing up on HBO Max, right? And Warner Brothers has the Looney Tunes in its library, which has a lot of very not acceptable today stuff in it because it was a cartoon made in the fucking 40s. Um, But the way they handled it on their golden anniversary collection is they had in front of these episodes Whoopi Goldberg recorded a message saying that while the images and stereotypes depicted in this episode are highly offensive it is important that this be allowed to be viewed as a example of how far we have come and what racism looks like so that it can be avoided in the future erasure of the past is dooming yourself to repeat it right yeah, and especially if it's criticism of your of your worst sides. Like I'm thinking of Thirty Rock. I just I you told me this right now. I I have to. I don't know what episodes they removed, but I can't imagine that. I can think comedy of two. where the where the head episode where the head characters are Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin um, would so blindly fall into a to stumble into a pitfall like that. I don't know. Do you remember? Do you remember yeah, which episodes so, they were? Yeah, so there's there's two episodes I can think of. One of which, actually both of which, uh, Jenna Maroney appears in blackface for like a grand combined total of 15 seconds. Um, 
one of them is the episode where Tracy and Jenna argue about whether it's harder to be black or a woman in America. Um, and then there's just as part of a cutaway, throwaway gag in a later season episode where Jenna and her boyfriend play, uh, go to Halloween as Natalie Portman's character from Black Swan and Pittsburgh, former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Lynn Swan. Uh, for a Halloween costume, so they'd be two black swans. Okay. They're, they removed two more. I can't think of what those would be, mm-hmm. but, like, it's a grand total of ten mm-hmm. seconds in each of them. One of them's a throwaway gag, and the other, which you could just have edited that out of the episode. I don't know why they took right. the yeah. whole episode yeah. down. The other's a little more central to the plot of the episode, but it it's lampooning, like, right. the fact the- that there are difficulties for these groups in america yeah that occurs to me that the joke especially with the second one where the entire point of the joke is you can't do that kids yeah <laughs> you, you yeah. came in with unten- with good intentions but unexpectedly you did something fucking awful whoops and then they're just are these guys gonna fucking is I, the people who make these decisions are they just gonna like pull tropic thunder from their shelves I am shocked that that's, like, still out there in all of this nonsense. It's probably just because everyone loves Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's... Uh, maybe it's just so obvious and they laid it on so thick. I have to... I, like, I don't remember what they, what they did with it. I forgot what, the, forgot what the thing behind why he did blackface, but he was, like... He, he was, was, he was an actor behind who was, the times like, the actor known was. for playing blackface or something like that. Because I think he was a white character. He was a white actor in the in yes, Tropic he Thunder. Was. In the movie, he was a white actor in blackface. Yeah, uh, who was like super like method. Yeah, and and it's it was to show off like how, like, yeah, this is fucked up sort of thing. Right. It's one of the fucking hallmark lines from the trailer, right? The one of the lines where everyone saw when they were when this movie was coming out was. Uh, he's like, what do you mean, you people? And the actual black dude's like, what do you mean, you people? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is... I mean, we're in sensitive times, so I'm not surprised that things are... are you're seeing left and right companies come out with statements and, and things flying off the shelves, but I think at a certain point, we need to reevaluate like what we, what we deem as offensive because the original like connotation behind blackface was something totally different than what we're seeing today is like quote unquote blackface it's more of impersonation and not um mocking uh, like it was a mocking back then well the reason that blackface even existed was because they would not let black actors Mm -hmm. in stage performances so when there was a black character, a white actor had to go into yeah. blackface. So like the the very origins of the practice are super racist. Yes. But yeah, whitewashing. What good does whitewashing history do? Like, especially when it like know that this is a especially when it like thing. exemplifies like how not okay it is. That's that's a thing. It, like because uh, an episode of The Office comes to mind when uh, Dwight is doing this traditional uh, ceremony for his, like, Christmas or whatever. And part of the ritual, they're reading on Google. Uh, the one guy who reads on Google, he's like, oh, also accompanied by somebody in blackface. And Dwight's like, no, I would never have that. Like, oh, that's so racist. 
And then he sends a text to his friend who's waiting outside about to come in in all blackface. And they cut that scene out of it. But it's like also showing that, hey, blackface is wrong. You shouldn't do it. The problem is that they show it. But I, I agree with, uh, like, Kurt, when you say, and what other, what they did the Looney Tunes is that there should be a statement on there that says some images may be just disturbing or offensive uh, to some viewers, but know that it was done with the intention of portraying that it is offensive and that you shouldn't do it. Um, and yeah, instead of just and, completely uh, erasing it. Yeah, but HBO that costs Max. more money than yeah. just pulling the episode. I know. Yeah. So yeah. That's why they didn't do it. I, although HBO Max should come out before Pickle Man, American Pickle, Seth Rogen will just come out. He's like, there's no one in blackface in this movie. But we think it's bad anyway. <laughs> we thought she, we thought we thought we should uh, mention that just beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna make some it? random ass comment? It's like, all right, we think racism bad. Anyway, enjoy your pickle movie. <laughs> that features no black characters. Remove it. <laughs> Digitally add them in. <laughs> Clip art black people That's, just standing. Put one of them in blackface. <laughs> Oh, I'm surprised like shit like white chicks isn't <laughs> people aren't yeah, being that's because white Again. face doesn't really work <laughs> white face just looks creepy to be honest yeah like all the Chappelle shows where Dave Chappelle tried to play a white character it's like no dude that does not look turns out it's a lot harder to make something that's dark lighter than it is to make something yeah. lighter darker <laughs> and it's really hard to fucking make a coherent Scooby-Doo movie, apparently. Okay. Right now, no, no, no. This is it's all right. It's new <sighs> new trailer for Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo. Now Peter gave me the synopsis before I watched the trailer, and Peter has a way of describing things where it's like technically correct, but it's a bit of a reach. But as I watched this trailer, like everything Peter said, just like straight up, no, no, like having to jump through any mental hoops to be like, okay, I guess technically what you said was true. It just all happened. Elvira is throwing a Halloween parade that is interrupted by Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. the Scarecrow, from Ar- the same one from Batman, who escaped from Arkham Asylum. And so Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Gang have to contact Bill Nye the Science Guy, to hook them up with a futuristic mystery machine equipped with laser weapons so that they can fight the Scarecrow in what is being called the first Halloween Scooby-Doo adventure ever, which is not true. There's been like four. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a new idea. (laughs) Do you really think you're the first ones who are like, oh, Scooby-Doo, they solve spooky mysteries. Halloween, spooky time of the year. Let's put that together. No one's ever done that before. It's happened. It's happened plenty of times. You know what they're probably doing? They're probably doing semantics. They're like, well, this is the first time our team and our animators have done one for this this version of (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Semantics. I don't know. I I don't know what kind of BS they're pulling. Um, John Cena isn't in this one, so I'm not so interested. He's not. But it is written by Maxwell Adams, who is the creator of The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, which is my favorite cartoon 
of of my childhood. Oh my god, we should watch that. Uh, review it. We should. <laughs> I love. But that it's show. hard to find. We need to. We need to like all say collectively we're going to invest and just buy all the seasons on Prime Video. Yeah. So we can yeah. have it and preserve it forever. Uh, we can actually even skip buying the first season because the first season was like eight episodes, and that one was when it was still Evil Concarne oh, in there too, yeah. and yeah. it just the animation style wasn't dialed in yet and then they were like and the better season. show survived for that yes i remember when yeah. they changed like animation styles and then the second season was like when they really started the stories oh yeah, yeah. and the from there on it was fucking fantastic tangelos i can, I can quote <laughs> that show clowns hate tangelos uh, messes with the equilibrium <laughs> uh, uh this movie is not uh, this this movie is its own thing. Um, animation isn't bad. Uh, I I think many people at this point, a lot of people would consider um, Mystery Incorporated to be their it's it's a fan favorite series. Um, yes, I've heard good things. I've not watched any. Of it. It's the same animation style, and I assume the same team. Um, but. You know, it is just crazy. I'm sure they got fucking a directive from Warner Brothers being like, okay, we need to incorporate these properties into the Scooby-Doo movie. And the writers were like, eh, this, I guess. I don't think anyone should ever be shame, ashamed of uh, shoehorning in cameos by people into uh, Scooby-Doo. I actually, I'm actually going to look, because Bill Nye makes me think that they also probably did one with NDT. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, I I can hear Fred saying Neil deGrasse Tyson in my head right now. Surprised. So Neil deGrasse yeah, Tyson. That's true. Uh, he was, I believe, in uh, Scooby-Doo and Guess Who. Uh, right. Let's see. Was he? Oh, he was in Zoolander too. Oh, who Neil deGrasse? Tyson? Anyway, what the fuck? Yeah, why? Speaking of uh, beloved, Jim childhood. Gaffigan was he was Jim Jim Gaffigan played Jim Gaffigan in an episode of Scooby Doo. Guess who? I'm oh, I can't remember that. Fucking, look, look at this. We got we got Ricky Gervais. Wanda Sight. These are all people playing themselves in this yeah, TV show. I mean, there's a long history. I think the whole gimmick of Gooby, Scooby-Doo Guess Who was that they had the guest stars there. And that, that's like throwing it back to like the older Scooby-Doo cameos where you'd have like Scooby-Doo and Don Knotts and Scooby-Doo and the Harlem Globetrotters and literally Batman and Robin one time. It's like yeah. It's like the Simpsons. You know you've made it when you got get uh, a Simpsons character and a Scooby Doo character animated for you, and then you voice them, mm-hmm. that's how I know you made it. Yeah. The yeah, I'm watching. Time. I'm watching it right now. Okay, that's a, that's a very interesting show. I'll I'll throw up the trailer for you guys later. Right. Um, moving on to our next trailer, which should have been on the show last week, but somehow we missed it, uh, and that's. 
Muppets Now is a new original series coming to Disney Plus at the end of this month, July 31st. They released a trailer for it, and it's basically just uh, Kermit the Frog and Joe from Legal uh, trying to figure out what Kermit can say about the show with clips from the show interspersed into it. And it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, it has all the uh, the main Muppets that you've uh, come to see in prominent roles and the since the 2011 Muppets return um, and the the short-lived ABC show those guys are all in there uh, it's not going it's probably gonna be like a cross between like the older Muppet show and the workplace comedy because it seems like there's some interlap there like they're producing the show they're talking about it they're pulling the curtain back there there's some interview shows in there some science experiments with Beaker and Bunsen uh, it, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun so hopefully this sticks around for a long time yeah Muppets has this sort of like um, media phasing where it phases into popularity for a while and then it just sort of dissolves away into the ether and then it comes back for a movie and then it's out of here again and then it comes back and there's a short lived TV show and sometimes it comes out of the transporter malformed and that's when you get Greg the Bunny <laughs> and and or what was the oh what was the fucking cop movie? Oh, um Happy Time Murders or something like that. Happy Time Murders. Yeah, um that's the last time I'm ever gonna talk about that, but that you know sometimes it happens like that. There's like this weird bug in in the American psyche that like puppets should be part of our media diet or Muppets rather. Well, <laughs> the Muppets are fantastic and they should be part of our media diet let, at all times. Let, let me... They just need to get a firm. They need a barnacle like hold on the underside of of uh, digital media. Let me be straight with you guys. I, I was never a Muppets kid. Well, that's why we don't like you. That I, much. I don't know why. For some reason, Muppets was never in my diet growing up. Um, I knew and the that's characters. That's why you've turned out to be a degenerate. Yes. I mean, he never spent that fateful night with us watching Muppet Treasure Island. That's true. Yeah. No, 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 I don't have we'll any have, we'll, any recollection of that. We'll have to uh, we'll have to correct that. At some but point. but I'm I'm excited I don't know to about watch you, this. Kurt, but I literally watch Muppet Christmas Carol every holiday. I watch Muppet Treasure Island like every time I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so watchable. Uh, uh, Jake, it's my I'd favorite musical. Of those. Yeah, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, also a good one. Uh, mm -hmm. Great Escape. Great Muppet Caper. Great Muppet Caper, that's the one. That one's that one's probably my least favorite. Of course, you can't go wrong with the the classic original. Uh, the 2011 Muppets movie is good. I have not yet seen Muppets Most Wanted. I don't know if that's any the newest one. Any good or not? Um. That's the newest one, yeah. yeah. And then the Muppets TV show, also on Disney Plus, totally worth a watch. Canceled because people were stupid. Maybe I should. To maybe quote I should the, uh, the the diner odor from uh, Muppets Muppets Take Manhattan. People's is people's, so you just have to deal with that. Um, yeah, I'll have yeah. to I'll have to look into that because I, I I just watched that brief little trailer of this and it looks cool. I like I like the difference of uh, styles, interviews uh, mixed with like their actual show and maybe there's a story going on for each show uh, and then little segments. I don't know, little science experiments. I, that, they seem cool. I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah. 
Uh, Disney's been putting out some pretty good content lately, I think. Uh, so yeah, I think those the 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 service was a little bare once you got past all your nostalgia watches. Yeah. Uh, but now they've got some good stuff coming. They out. have, and they, they and honestly have, have stuff for like watches. any feeling that you if you don't want to watch like any sort of movie, you want to feel good about something. They have something where they have like an animal show now where they go into like how dogs are important in like random jobs i forgot what it's called exactly but they have like oh this dog uh you know grows up with a cheetah and helps it play and stuff like that or, oh they just took the dogs with jobs subreddit and turned it into a tv show <laughs> yeah i think so yeah okay because <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's a dog that literally sm- uh sniffs out like whale poop mm-hmm. and it's like they can yeah uh the one i like most tra- sorry go ahead I like the one the dog sniffing job I like the most is the truffle hunting dogs just because oh, pigs? like we use pigs yeah. for like a gajillion years and then someone realized you know it's easier to train a dog to sniff out <laughs> truffles than it is to train a pig to not eat the fucking things yeah True. Um, my favorite job that dogs can do is uh, literally detect blood sugar changes in diabetes patients yeah it's fucking nuts Dogs My dog incredible. alert's going off. Time to eat a tangerine. <laughs> Dude, dogs um, are amazing. I'm at I'm at are. home right now. Um, I mean, I should say I'm at my original birth home. <laughs> my parents' house and the our, hospital. Uh, the, <laughs> my birth. The ancestral. I am your ancestral estate. <laughs> no, we had we had a home birth. I was I was birthed in the bathtub. My mom almost drowned me. It's okay though. Uh, may have been intentional. It doesn't matter. She some like, say some some scholars question whether his father was right to stop her. <laughs> Maybe I should have. I don't know. Done a lot of bad shit. But we have a dog here, and my dog is just he's he's crazy smart. And uh, the other day we got some bad news um, that uh, Kristen's grandmother died. Of course, it would be the first day of vacation, but oh well can't time death um but like within minutes of us finding out my dog came right over to her specifically and was like take my affection take my paw and she was like pretty visibly upset oh yeah and and they they just they he instinctively knew to like i need to comfort this person it's wild. Yeah, I don't think we're breaking any news here that dogs are great. <laughs> and uh, as much as I like cats, cats can't hold a candle to dogs. I'm sorry. No. Cats also can't hold candles. Cats That's will... true. They don't have opposable thumbs. That's really the core of the issue here. Get yourself a candle-holding animal. That's right. Dogs I mean, can hold a candle reason... in their mouth. Yeah. Oh, Cat's mouth's too small to get around a candle. Too small. Unless it's like a birthday candle. <laughs> even squirrels. Even squirrels. They have an acorn. They strap it on their back like it's red wall, and they hollow it out, and you put a candle in there. I know because I have a statue representation of it at my at my familial estate. My family's moved around so much, I don't have a familial estate anymore. Uh, all right. Let's, there's a trailer for a movie called Made in Italy. Liam Neeson and his son try to sell their house in Tuscany. And um, there's a trailer for a more, movie called Mortal about some kid in Norwegia uh, who gets superpowers. 
Uh, it's like a god, like Thor or some shit. It's made by the same guy who made Troll Hunter, if you know that movie. Yeah, that that that's obviously photoshopped, Jake. No way a cat can hold a candelabra <laughs> like that. It's way too heavy. I guess it's just a candlestick since it's one. Lumiere is is disappointed. Oh, uh, Jake will now spend the rest of the episode trying to convince us the fact that cats can, in fact, hold uh, wax lighting devices. <laughs> I want to write a scientific paper and submit it to. Cat, yeah, cat anonymous thesis on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Let's uh, let's make the caveat of without causing harm to the cat, cat. because you can make anything hold a candle if you melt the wax on it. Cat the op. I'm just going right. to. I know. I'm choosing We're... to pretend that that was never said and discuss the tax collector <laughs> where Shia LaBeouf plays oh, yes. a. Gangster collector, collecting enforcer in the barrio. Um, That's weird. Of Los Angeles, George Lopez is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it goes sideways. The, another gang's up and coming. They don't want to pay the toll, and so they kidnap his family. <laughs> like, what? What power does he have over these gangs? Usually. These are like protection rackets or uh, enforcement rackets. Is he like a corrupt like tax man who like keeps their keeps their finances on the down low in exchange for a little hush money? I think he's just like the big gangster, and like if all the other gangs want to not want to do their business in this area, they gotta pay money to him. It's like offerings to alms to the king sort of deal well that's wild because like he does it all himself yeah i know he like seems to have a structure doesn't make any sense <laughs> if you're ruling if you have to manage more than one gang you need your own gang to do that like the fucking no one <laughs> don wanson isn't fucking ruling over the latin kings the bloods and the fu- and timmy's fucking treehouse club <laughs> without some serious manpower to back him up. Yeah. Uh, now that we have the tax collector, I need to see the, like, um, Freddy versus Jason crossover of the tax collector versus the accountant. The accountant, yeah. <laughs> the movie. Oh, where yeah, the accountant. Brad, or ben Affleck yeah. plays a, like, what, retarded superhero? <laughs> 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 to put it bluntly, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's, he's like an autistic, uh, like sniper, yeah, like assassin guy, secret agent, yeah. <laughs> and his uh, accounting firm is a money laundering. His accounting firm and the rest of the businesses on that strip were a money laundering firm for like his uh, his payments to do hit jobs. But he was also really good at math, <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't think Shia can't, LaBeouf can't, can't let Goodwill. He can't leave Goodwill Hunting alone. He can't accept the fact that that wasn't him. <laughs> we need a. Uh, now we need a fucking um, the the third movie to complete this triangle is the CPA, the Carnage Punishment Assassinator. <laughs> the uh, what's his name? T- Titus Uno. <laughs> 
sort of CPA, FCPA. Oh no, we need the uh, fiduciary. <laughs> Got a fiduciary responsibility to kick your ass. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the what. Notarize. Notarize. I need someone to yes. notarize this. Death Thank you. I was. I was. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking of like, what's the fucking person that just stamps stuff? Did that's you know their job. That you can take the notary class and get your notary license for free. I have been wanting to do it for a while. It's basically because all a notary does is literally he looks at you and he's like, "All right, you're actually Kurt, you're actually Jake, and you're both signing this as Kurt and Jake." Cool, gotcha. Yeah. I was here to see notarize. this notarize. Notarize. <laughs> Don't hypnotize. Time... Notarize. <laughs> literally, the only uh, media mention of notaries that I've ever seen was in Pain and Gain. Oh, well, then you should watch The Leak because there's an entire episode where the character Taco becomes a notary. Yeah. I think, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. That's that's where I pull that line from, don't hit the tithe notarize. <laughs> Which I don't think was actually one of the things he said, but he made a lot of rhymes like that. Uh, I, I wish they came back with The Leak. Leak was really, really funny. I think it got, I think it overstayed its welcome in the last two seasons. I think it was time for the show then. Oh, I just I, th- I wish they could replay, uh, redo some of those seasons and yeah. bring back that spark that I had because it was it was funny. It was a little repetitive after a while. It was like, how many times can you just like, oh, new seasons yeah. happening? Let's shit talk. And it each got other. raunchier and raunchier as time went on. I think they kind of lost their original comedy. They leaned into the outliers a little much. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we've got this box office to report on, and boy howdy. Is it? Is it sad? We're actually we have fewer movies than we did last week. Uh, <laughs> once again, Becky, actually, no, Becky rising to the top spot, back at number one after being number three last week with eighty three thousand dollars in seventeen theaters. Um, followed, making seventy seven thousand dollars in forty one theaters, down three theaters from the previous week. Um, the Wretched in fourth, or third rather, up from fourth, with $39,000 in 97 theaters. That's oh, only wow. $408 per theater. Oh my god, that's a lot of theaters. It is its ninth week as well. Infamous asking the now famous question, how far would go to be famous? <laughs> would you kill for it? Um, 36 and a half thousand dollars in nine theaters that actually did pretty fucking good business that did the third best business of any uh movie here per theater wouldn't you know realize yeah uh the the number one though is star cat star dog and turbo cat um bringing in 23.3 thousand dollars in four theaters for fifty eight hundred dollars per theater jeez uh, Miss Juneteenth down in six, 17K. Max Winslow, House of Secrets, remains in seventh, but increases 114.3% to $6,500. Uh, the trip to Greece also seeing a 49% surge and being picked up by eight more theaters brought in a uh, still rather paltry $1,000 for $94 per theater. You know, I'm actually uh, the- surprised. 
surprised that some of these numbers are so low for like how many theaters are in because I would have expected um, like drive-ins to be open. Yeah, but at the same time, not a lot of new movies are being released. Hmm. Yeah. So like the drive-ins can be open, but there are very few drive-ins in America. Like, like, like upstate my... New York is like the golden fucking last refuge of drive-in theaters in the entire country. There yeah, maybe I should look into see how, how many drive-ins there actually are across the U.S. Because I feel like in, in, in a lot of states there should have been a lot more. I don't know. But maybe well, there's just not the a lot Malta, of real estate. At the Malta drive-in, they used to do this. They don't do this anymore. Um, but they still do show like during intermission all the like retro commercials yeah. of the snack bar. It's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but they used to before the movies play this like very cinematic, not really a trailer, but like this cinematic like short film showing all the drive-in theaters across the country being closed down as their popularity faded in like oh. the seventies and eighties, and it was really sad. And it's like, yeah. oh no. But yeah, there's not a whole lot left. Huh. Because my mom is currently in the process of canceling a drive-in movie theater owner, and uh, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting because I know there's not a whole lot left. Yeah, she's, she's... Uh, the Transcendence opened in tenth for three hundred and fifty-eight dollars, um, and Sex in the Future bringing in ninety-four dollars <laughs> in one theater. <laughs> um, if you wow. keen among you and. Keen among the returning listeners will notice that we did not name a spotlight film, and that's because for the first time in follow-up history, we don't have a movie on here with enough reviews to fit our spotlight requirement that we haven't talked about. So, for the first time in history, we're actually going to do a spotlight film on a movie that we ourselves reviewed. It'll be the movie we reviewed last week, in fact. And that's Artemis Fowl. And I, for one, am highly intrigued to see what the 10 star reviews for this movie <laughs> are going to be like. Um, and I guess we're going to leap right into this here with actually one of the more helpful five star reviews. Uh, the movie was amazing. Do Space T compare it to the books, and you and your children will love it too! Exclamation mark. From Lisa Sharp, 1081, uh, mm-hmm. submitted June 13th, 2020. I did not read the books because I can't read, but I <laughs> did watch the movie and loved it! Exclamation point. I hope they make more! Exclamation point. Also, any of you who haven't figured out the book series turned into a movie will never compare to the books. Harry, oh, all caps on never. I feel like I could have punched that a little harder to indicate that. Harry Potter is as close as anyone has ever gotten to successfully turn a great book series into a movie franchise. So given giving this movie and storyline bad reviews, B- BC, it's not like the books. Well, <laughs> don't watch it. Go read more books. Wow. This movie itself, the wrong form of it, was great. I loved it. My kids loved it, and that's all that matters. Disney is not perfect. That's its own sentence. They, too, make duds every once in a while. However, in my opinion, this was wonderful! Exclamation point. Remember, it's for the kids, and I guarantee you, quote-unquote, most children will love this movie, too. Adults will go watch something more, something more adult. 
Quit crying and ruining a good movie because it's not what, quote-unquote, you thinking should be. Good job, Disney. I hope to see more Artemis Fowl movies. 25 out of 64 found that helpful. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, so, just scrolling through some of the one stars. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of these. So, we haven't... It's been a while since I've, we've looked at a movie with this many reviews. So there's yeah. there's 740 reviews on IMDb. Uh, one that's a lot. Uh, 305 of them are one star. Uh, these are also some of the highest helpful numbers I've seen. Like this one I'm going to read right now is uh, 514 out of 618 people found this helpful. <clears throat> so many people went out of their way to say, yeah, this was a helpful review. <laughs> because of how awful this is. Okay, I'll just jump right into it. One out of ten. One of the worst films I've ever seen by Middleton Jack. Truly an awful film. Scraps literally all the charm and myth of the book and misses every mark that would be necessary for even a decent film. The tone is confused. The scene direction is ten out of ten for cringe. All those years of Shakespearean study and practice was a waste of time, Kenneth. Clearly, packed with all the muddled and adult virtue signaling nonsense that you could ever need, it not only diffuses any sincerity about the characters, but also manages to destroy any possible tension. We seem to be in a place in film making where it is taboo and forbidden for anyone to represent negative qualities of any kind. Everyone is good and nice to each other except for characters hidden in cloaks or the colonial British man. (laughs) (laughs) Josh Gad's narration is not only entirely unnecessary but delivered like a high school student's first assessment project. Holly is wrecked. Root is wrecked. Foley is nothing. Moultres intolerable. Butler is wrecked. Juliet is nothing. Zero tension. Zero nuance. Zero technique. It may be the worst adaptation of a book I've ever seen. Definitely at least in the top five. That's scathing. scathing. I can feel the heat from here. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, people are mad. Oh my mad. lord, I've got the papers. <laughs> people are mad. People are pissed. People are pissed. Um, so that makes these, so, these nuanced reviews. Yeah, are there middling tougher. reviews? I feel like this is just completely polarized. They are. Uh, there's, some, there's a lot to read through here. If um, I could take a day and just like fucking pick out some really gems, but. Um, Taking taking what I see, we got uh uh here we'll we'll get chip chop one two six nine three four eight four six's review of Artemis Fowl five out of ten. Um, quart in a pint pot. Okay. Morning spoilers, guys. All right. Uh, th- this was a complex story which seemed to overwhelm its own running time. As a result, I was largely confused by what was happening and why. Uh, the lack of character development did not help in this. Why was it necessary to engineer the arrest and interrogation of Josh Gad's character? Why were humans, Artemis and company, not affected by the time freeze? Why did the lead heavy not foresee the risk that the MacGuffin could be used against it? And so on. In its favor, the visuals were spectacular. <laughs> it did not take itself too seriously. 
and Josh Gad provided welcome, knowing comic relief. Plus, significantly for me, I stayed awake throughout. <laughs> this was not boring. Maybe the story is better Hard suited to an there. episodic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe the story is better suited to an episodic format to better and more comprehensively do its labyrinthine plot justice. Or maybe we should treat it as an expensive trailer for the source material. Sometimes books are just left best as books. Yeah, that is, that is an interesting one take. Out, one out of two found it helpful. That seems seems low, but um, we got <clears throat> Vizarn. He's got or she has a review of Artemis Fowl. It's ten out of ten. Long time fan of the books, having read them several times each. This movie, while not a faithful scene by scene replay of the movie, okay, is exactly what I was looking for in an Artemis Fowl movie. They said movie four times in that sentence. My six-year-old son and I cannot stop watching this movie. He's in love with Mulch Diggums and Officer Holly Short. The main man himself, Artemis Jr., delivers his signature cockiness and superiority in a way that doesn't make him out to be a cold-hearted criminal, which in today's times is definitely not a bad thing. Okay. Butler is played in spades as the best friend-slash-surrogate father figure to young Artemis while his father is gone. I tear up every time during his quote-unquote scene. Why do people add quotes to these? <laughs> and then there's a in parentheses. If you actually watch the movie, you know the one. Commander Root plays her part wonderfully. I miss the noxious stogies this character was known for, but again, times we live in. As Holly's protective, almost motherly finger, while also cutting her no slack. Kujin is immediately dislikable, just like the books, and is just as slimy as ever. Even Juliet, I believe, is played amazingly. That was its own paragraph, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, and all in all, I cannot believe most of the reviews about this movie. Do people really want a page-for-page page remake of the book? Question mark. I for O space E did not. <laughs> I'm extremely happy with how this one turned out. Hopefully, some people will read this and actually give the movie a chance. It de- the chance it deserves. My son and I eagerly await the next installment in this awesome story. Six what? out of fifteen found that helpful. <laughs> what dumb review! People love the books. Do they want a movie just like that? No. They want something different. Completely different. Exactly the different. <laughs> a fucking idiot. It's obviously a 1 out of 10. What have you done? Question mark, exclamation, question mark, exclamation point. By Caitlin of- Hitzman-95117. <laughs> they pissed. <laughs> hey, Disney. Did you even read the books before coming up with a script? Question mark, exclamation, question mark. 20 minutes and 3 seconds is all I could handle. Utter disgrace to this phenomenal book series, exclamation. I am so upset you've done this, exclamation. Infuriatingly disappointing. One, Mulch does not narrate the book, so WTF is that about question mark exclamation question mark no narrator is needed if you follow the damn book hey this is a disney movie let's not swear please 
He would also never say anything about magic or fairies to the police slash government exclamation 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 like seriously question mark exclamation question mark major foundation of the entire series is that the mud people parentheses humans have no idea the people parentheses fairies exist ellipses plus a period except for artemis and butler ellipses but he's a sneaky genius wealthy law-breaking teen i feel like there should be an and (laughs) two why are they talking about his mom like she's dead she's not just crazy ever since dad disappeared three artemis oh this is all caps so she's passed Three, Artemis doesn't surf. <laughs> exclamation. Four, still all caps. Everyone calls Butler, Butler, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Artemis has yeah. no idea what his first name is until later books for a specific reason. I'm not going to continue watching this because I can only imagine the further mistakes you've made. And that would even more upsetting to me. I've been a fan of the series for years now. Breaks my heart. You ruined the Percy Jackson books by Richard Riordan as well. Nothing to nothing nice to say. You wasted your money making this horrific nightmare. Did you even include Ian Colfer? Question mark, exclamation, question mark, exclamation. 263 out of 337 found that helpful. I honestly forgot the made Percy Jackson movies. Yeah, apparently That's they did awful. not do that well. Well, I'm sure they didn't do that well. I remember like I remember Clarkson. I remember watching the trailer. I read the first three Percy Jackson books and I liked them well enough. I just never got my hands on the fourth book and <laughs> <laughs> forgot that I enjoyed them. And now I'm probably too old to really enjoy them that much. Yeah. Um shout out to my boy Jet Jordan for his for his succinct and effective review of this four out of ten found this helpful with a four out of ten, uh, titled "Huh, nothing happened." Like the good guys fought the good guys, and then movie's <laughs> over. <laughs> yes, that is yeah. that is basically my review too. <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some good ones like this. I'm not gonna read this whole thing. This guy's a a smith's review where he's like hi disney pretty please have a look at a barn big barn nay an enormous barn now find the biggest and baddest shotgun you can get never mind a 12 gauge just get like a goose gun now point the shotgun at the barn and pull the trigger trust me like this movie you will miss (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one oh he did good with that all right now this one's the actual one uh, it's another short one. Let's just go. Four out of ten by J E E Backer. Uh, Disney does it again, as they did with Star Wars. Disney managed to screw up this movie. The visuals are awesome. The story is promising. The acting is not that bad, mostly. <laughs> However, the montage and screenwriting is blatantly bad. Even worse than the Rise of Skywalker. It is horrible. One out of two found this helpful. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go as I don't know. Yeah, I guess that this movie probably is a little worse than Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, I would say it was worse. Yeah, sure. There's just but I would. There are no winners there. Ever, there are no... 
No. Um, but you could win. Just in, in enjoyment. If you go into the the comments of here, just read some of these reviews. Oh, there are some treasures. They're great. There are some certain treasures here. Whenever you have something like the based off a... Uh, you release something that's based off a YA novel from a generation where all those YAs are now just regular A's and have their own kids and stuff. Uh, you're going to get some very passionate responses, no matter how the movie is. But as someone who yeah. only barely knew the premise of Artemis Fowl and sat down to watch this movie, it's just terrible. Yeah. It's just yeah. not a good movie. So I tell you, no, it's really, made. really bad. It's just like, yeah. as, a, as a just a general movie, if you just look at it like, not based on anything, just conceptually. It's just bad. It just just did bad things all around. Mechanically, it is is put together. They 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 tell you everything and show you very little. <laughs> yeah, they could slap and then a when different they title show on you it. things. They have to tell you what they just showed you, <laughs> in case you would be confused by what it was you just saw. Which, to be fair, with some of these things, maybe was necessary because the visuals were oftentimes. Highly confusing because there was no contextualization or world building. <laughs> Jake, why didn't you read this one? By far the worst spike. <laughs> <laughs> that was right under. <laughs> I felt <laughs> I felt nauseous while watching it. I want a personal apology from the frozen head of Walt Disney. <laughs> <laughs> or or what about this one? Why? 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 Yeah, I'm sure there are some pretty funny ones here. Oh God! All right, just, just oh. scathing ones are, are pretty intense. I want oh, to see what geez. some that was re- a good one. Holy oh. shit! All right, all right. Let's talk. Put it away. Otherwise, I'll be stuck there forever. Yeah, let's talk some gaming news. Uh, Discord is removing its gaming centric branding. Uh, but nothing else about the software is changing. Oh, okay. So uh, this is news, apparently. <laughs> I mean, what are they? They raised a hundred million dollars. They're going to change their branding up to just be a generic chat app, which is you know functionally how it is used. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, to my knowledge, no features or really uh, design language changes are coming. So, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> cool, you <guys>. did it. <laughs> um, Devolver Digital will be holding its direct showcase later this month. Devolver Digital is no infamous, I guess, throughout the industry for its wacky and wild E3 presentations that happen after dark um, for the attendees. And uh, hopefully... They'll be able to bring that same craziness to their uh, direct showcase coming later this month. Mm -hmm. Lord knows that we could use some Devolver Digital right now. Um, Amazon's big online challenger to (laughs) to disthrone Fortnite and Overwatch Crucible uh, launched and Boy, howdy, was it not well-received. In fact, the opposition was so strong that Amazon is pulling it back into a closed beta. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I heard about that. That was... I've seen some gameplay of it. It just did not look fun 
there was like farming aspect to it too imagine if you will if you had like a destiny style uh grinding shoot and loot sort of thing um with overwatch-esque wacky characters that had no like anything to them <laughs> and there was like and there was some like constructing stuff in there a la for it tried to just be like a jackson pollock painting of all all these elements that are popular in, in the top like streaming games right now because you know amazon wanted to put this out and then like have every twitch streamer uh stream the fuck out of it because they own Twitch yeah. and they can tell them, hey, you have this contract that we've signed. You're going to be streaming Crucible for the next six months. Um, yeah. It sounds like the head designer was an AI. <laughs> yes, it's one of those AI generated fucking headlines <laughs> that was turned into a game. <laughs> they took they took the predictive text on an iPhone and they just pressed the middle button. 20 times they went to code editor in windows and they just hit the middle button for a fucking five years for a month you, are you guys familiar with the show the mass singer which was oh yeah a hundred percent generated by some machine learning program analyzing the viewing trends from the past two decades crucible yeah. is yeah. the Love video it. game version of the mass singer except the mass singer worked Crucible well, yeah, they, not. Amazon needs to adjust its machine learning yeah. algorithm AI or, is obviously or hire fault. better developers because maybe that was the problem. Yeah, I don't, I, they spent all their AI budget on Roombas. I didn't look into like what problems people had with it. I just think it just it it did not mesh well, and people didn't find it entertaining to watch. Because I mean, when you boil it down, that's what really drives like a game to success. Well, yeah, the like, gameplay experience was pretty not good and that's what most of the complaints were about mm, um, yeah like the uh just the general mechanics like the gunplay and all that stuff just weren't weren't polished it was like playing fucking uncharted one i guess <laughs> yikes you um I don't know. I didn't I also didn't look too much into it, but I did see a lot of the people on like Twitter and shit saying Crucible sucks. And then I saw the headline <laughs> that it's being moved back into a closed beta. <laughs> and I was like, oh that again. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool headline to read. I was like, oh shit. Dropped on Steam and then instantly removed. <laughs> just like, oh just kidding. Oh, it wasn't ready. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Uh, someone hit the button. He's been fired. Uh, <laughs> Xbox is holding a week-long Summer Games Fest demo event with demos for over 60 games. So the uh, the Games Radar sub-headline here by Alicia Alyssa Merchant says, it, This July, it will be like E3 on your couch. Um, so the... So E3? Yeah. The, <laughs> well, it'd be like you're attending E3 from your couch because if you don't get to attend e3 and play all the demos on the floor then you don't get that experience which i think they should release e3 demos for at least a limited window to everyone because i don't know if they let outside people into e3 anymore i think you need media credentials huh right like um i well i'd say it's not that hard but there's my bar is really fucking low for these companies 
uh, and they can still go below it. Like, I could imagine someone sending out a fucking demo with code that's easily leakable and exploitable. They don't just put it as its own separate environment, you know? Yeah. There's, like, all the... Some shitty developer is going to leave a lot of just, like, spaghetti code sitting behind it. And someone's going to crack into it and, uh... Guys, hey, look, guys, here's the full game. Whoops, Uncharted 5, I just spoiled the whole fucking thing. I don't know, though, because game demos on, like, online storefronts have been a thing since the PS3, Xbox 360 days. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm sure they have figured this out. I don't know that there's Hopefully. been any. I haven't certainly heard of any stories about like people cracking into that. I'm like the DS and Nintendo handhelds. Yeah, some of these like freeware games have been allowed to like homebrew people to find exploits to load stuff onto there. But I haven't heard of that on uh, many of the larger consoles. Uh, but anyway, the demo event will run from Tuesday, July 21st to Monday, July 27th, and is meant to act as a replacement for in-person demo events at E3, PAX, and GamesCon, all of which have been canceled due to Coronamania continuing to run, run wild around the world. Um, my words, not hers. Mm-hmm. And finally... The United Kingdom's House of Lords is calling for immediate gambling legislation to be applied to loot boxes in video games. Uh, They view this as an urgent matter. So the UK, I think, far and away would be the largest gaming market to implement some sort of legislation against loot boxes, which could be a major domino to fall in the practice of reducing them or ridding them from games, which mm-hmm. can only be a good thing. Yeah. we. This is victory for us. Good thing. V- victory yeah. for us, the consumer. That is all I have to speak of in the video game department for news, um, but I do have a review. And oh. that review is of oh. South Park, The Stick of Truth is the prequel to the game we are currently playing on our Twitch, uh, South Park Fractured But Whole. And um, you know what? I don't know what I really expected going into it, but what I got was a solid turn-based RPG, old-school RPG turn-based combat with some active, like, prompts in the combat to make it a little more engaging. Uh, The story is what it is. If you're a fan of South Park and its humor... You will very much enjoy the story. I'm not a huge fan of South Park, and I thought, like, it just, it, it was a little much in points. Uh, it's very much just all that sort of toilet humor. Like, the whole plot of the game revolves around your player character having, like, the world's most potent farts and... The game revolves around farts and farting and a lot of stupid shit like that. There, it, it just it gets kind of crazy um, with all the the toilet humor. But there are some generally clever moments, as you would expect from a South Park game, and the gameplay and quest systems and level progressions and uh, classes all all are quite fully realized. The meta of the game is pretty easy to crack. You just need to find a weapon that can apply bleeding. 
and then a weapon augment that can apply burning. And basically, you don't ever actually have to do any damage to one of the bosses. They will just die to their bleeding, except towards the end, there are a couple enemies that are immune to bleeding, which are fucking annoying as hell to deal with, but uh, never mind mm -hmm. that. Uh, but overall, yeah, it's a solid, like, old-school RPG almost. Um, I really liked the section where you go to Canada because they have, like, it's... It's like a fucking Oregon Trail-esque map with uh, oh. the Canadian National Anthem playing in chiptune in the background. That's funny. Uh, it was fucking hilarious. And, um, yeah, the gameplay was really solid. I I don't know if I expected to go in liking it or not, uh, but I was, I guess, pleasantly surprised by the game I, 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 I ended up with. And uh, I would recommend checking it out if you're a fan of the series or a fan of older turn-based RPG combat sort of things. Uh, it's it's like a mix between a CRPG and a JRPG in terms of, like, play style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I gotta be, like, a really big fan of their comedy. Yeah, I feel if, like... you, if you absolutely do not like South Park's yeah. style of humor, you're not going to enjoy the game because... Because that is a big part of it. Because there's a lot of, like, cutscenes and certain story elements that are, like, based around hardcore South Park humor. But some of the fans are rewarded with, like, Easter eggs from, uh, like, older South Park episodes. And, you know, Mr. Hankey comes in there or Towley, and it's like... Oh, yeah, that's cool. I remember that character from a while ago. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. it's cool. Uh, I, too, have a review, if that is it for yours. Well, this is this is the time. <laughs> yes, the time game reviews. So, um, last week I talked a little bit about, I think it was last week, uh, talked a little bit about Last of Us Part Two, um, and how divisive it was. Uh, I had At that point, I was, like, about halfway through the game. Um, and he urged every reviewer to have played through the game before yeah, making the review. Well, and I didn't I didn't know if, if there was a, um, and I wasn't giving my full review at that point. I was just like, hey, give it a chance because at that point I was wondering if people were uh, just storming it with flooding it with like quick reviews that are just hating on it because that's different than the first one a little bit. Um, but the more you, when, when you play into it more and you do finish it, uh, it has a lot of like really serious issues to it, just as like on a game level. Uh, but I'll get some of the positive things out first. I mean, talk about on the PS4 right now, because obviously PS5 doesn't exist yet. Um, it is probably one of the best looking games you can get on the PS4, and it runs so well. Uh, there is very, very, very few, if not any... Uh, no, there is some. I, I did see something. There was like a minor graphical glitches, but it was you had to look for it. Um, but it, it runs extremely smooth. The combat's usually smooth. Um, the AI, I've heard mixed things about other people's experience. I thought they were really dumb, but there are certain elements of them that are really smart, how they flank you and force you to play differently. Um, and I think that changes with your difficulty level because you could be literally strangling somebody in front of another enemy and they wouldn't see you. But I think if you were to increase the difficulty, they probably would react a little bit faster. Um, so maybe that is, a, is something that changes. 
Um, gameplay is like the same thing as Last of Us 1. So nothing really innovative that they brought to the table. But if you like Last of Us 1, you're going to like the part 2 and all the action that it brings you. Um, the gameplay, added, at least, right? Yeah, the gameplay. The, if, if you didn't mind it, the only problem is the one thing I've heard is that it gets a little bit boring faster than the first one did. Uh, just because you've already played it like that. And it's like, all right, well, you can only strangle a zombie so many times and stab in the neck. Uh, they bring one or two new weapons, if any, to that. So the story is is okay. Uh, there are certain elements of it that I'm like, okay, well, that's a really good risk. That's a really big risk they're taking. And they kind of do things for shock value. Uh, but it seems like they only do it for shock value. Uh, killing off certain characters and whatnot. And it's like, okay, you really didn't need to do that. Or, or you could have done it in a way that would have made me uh, feel a little bit differently about it. Um, right. So the problems that I have with it is there's a huge tonal um, or pacing issue. Uh, and to an extent, tone. Um, you play this game uh, for so long and you get to this climax and as soon as you get to that climax, the game forces you to go back in time literally and do something else. And I it takes you so out of the game. Um, uh, easy fix to that, I can think off the top of my head. Just flip-flop them. Because there are two storylines that are supposed to interconnect, that are supposed to intersect. And, and, and you play as those. Similar to yeah. how Halo but 2 actually, did it, similar to how Halo 5 did yeah. it. And uh, one Witcher of those things also oh, okay. did that too. Where well, it was kind of like there was some flashing back to um, where like you're playing as Geralt, but you're looking for Siri, and so yeah. every now and then there will be a section where you have to play as Siri going through her story of what happened, which is kind of like in the recent past, but still like you're going back a little bit. They're they're running mostly concurrently, and you get that sense, and I, I feel like. From the sounds of it, it sounds like they could have done that, and it would have been better. Yes, all I all I would have wanted was like learn like play as the other other character, uh, you know, flip flop it more, <laughs> or do flashbacks a little bit more flip flop, um, and then at that way, we both get to the same climax at the same time, and then it's like nonstop end of the game action from there. And they didn't do that. And it, it, I was like, wait, we have to start all over again? So it took, it takes you completely out of the game. It takes you out of the story. Um, and then the game does some really... I didn't mind it, but then uh, I read some reviews and they kind of put it to me a different way. Um, and I, I guess it makes sense is that it's very manipulative on like trying to make you feel for certain characters. Like... It, it forces you to play with a dog. So you're like, it humanizes that person. And it's like, oh yeah, I get to play with this dog. There's a really nice character. They have a love story that's kind of like out of out of place. So I, I guess as a sequel, Last of Us 2 uh, really drops the ball. Um, as a game by itself, uh, it has some pretty glaring issues that are really hard to overlook. And and I don't know if I if I if I can give it a pass or give it uh, that great of a score because of it, to be quite honest. Um, 
right. Well, but, your your review seems in line with a lot of the negative reviews that I read about it for the show last week. Mm-hmm. So, well, there is a subsection of the criticism that is mostly focused on the inclusion of the you know LGBT characters and whatnot. Uh, that is a for my experience at least a smaller subsection and a lot of the negative reviews are more reflective of what you're saying jake yeah there were issues with the pacing of the story and all that Mm -hmm. um all right did you have highlights i I do this is a fucking triple treat kids because everyone here had a, a video game review all right hylix 2 boys by mason lindroth all right now you know my game selection in the past has been wild. I'm the one that brought Slay the Spire to the studs. I I I gush endlessly about Xeno Crisis. I talked a lot about Hylix One, uh, and now we have Hylix Two, which I I totally ran through. Um, so in this playable MTV ad, <laughs> you play as you the crew gets together, battle against to battle against the evil force and prevent the reconstitution of Lord Gibulus as Wayne, Dedusmon, Samsnosa, and Pangorma. Walk through a wonderful claymation hellscape <laughs> and fight against various enemies. Unleash spells like Poramore Bleb, Nematode Interface, and Lightning. <laughs> who could And who could forget... Tube steak manifold. Tube steak of course. Who could remember? <laughs> Who could forget? Um, no, this game is a visual treat. It's an audio treat soundtrack by Chuck Salamone or Chuck Salamone. Um, he goes wild on the tracks. It's lovely. Um, basically, this takes everything that Hylix One was and fleshes it out, um, makes it a little more accessible. I would say. Uh, it tones down the weirdness a little bit. It sort of it actually recontextualizes a lot of the shit in the first game into a cohesive, like actual sort of story, which is wild because the first one really did not have that. I would actually recommend that you play this one first, and then go play Hylix One if you're really interested. Um, because Hylix One, you just go through the whole world, and you're just like you're just doing stuff. And you're like, what am I doing here? This is weird. This is, you know. But um, what I'm trying to say is, this is a normie game, and Mason Lindroth sold out. <laughs> uh, no, I would say this is like the gateway. You play this game. Um, it's a traditional. So you play this game, then you go play Hylix One, and then you go play the rest of his whole collection because he does. He has a whole stream of games which are just way out there. Uh, this game is an RPG. Um, it has 3D platforming and 2D platforming and dungeon crawling. It's got a lot of shit in it. Um, I will say there is a definitive line between the art part of the game and the game part of the game. Because when you're fighting an enemy, it's it's like classic RPG maker, RPG battles. Right. Which is not no, bad. No, I like that You style. were talking about in uh, Stick of Truth how you can completely just raffle stomp your enemies with status effects. And I will say that Hylix has one of the... It's a really well-balanced game, Hylix 2, because it's also a lot of status-based combat. Um, you can incre- you can inflict status effects like burning and, and leaking, 
and dissolute and umbilical cord. Okay. Um, but the you have some status effects, and the status effects you get are never the ones that can like lock enemies in. You don't get to make enemies indisposed, but enemies can make you indisposed. And then you're at the final level, and you have a fully uh, stocked team, but they uh, put you all indisposed, and then you get wombo comboed, and it takes 10 minutes, and you can't move, <laughs> and all your guys die. And then you go, and you die. Um, not speaking from experience at all. No, of course. Uh, I'm not good at platformers, so the platforming sections were a little a little rough for me, but... They were never. This game is never like. It never road. It never roadblocks you. You know, I've. You never. I find it funny that you mentioned you're not good at platformers because I also am not good at conventional platformers, and we both played a lot of Sonic as a kid. So I'm thinking that if you play <laughs> Sonic, it ruins you for other platformers. <laughs> it very well could be. Um, in some, I would recommend this game to you and to Jake. Um, it's very, like I said, it's very accessible. Download it. It is, uh, I got, I clocked in at seven and a half hours for the campaign. Um, that's with yeah. getting some of the secrets and it's about 15 bucks, but this isn't an experience that you're going to get anywhere else. Like this is a unique, lovely thing. The graphics are crisp, clean, just out of this world fantastic is there it's worth is there it just... a replay value to it now that's the thing um i i don't know i would say that there is some it's not it's not crazy so, but there is some. my question so if it's like a seven hour campaign do you feel there's sufficient cause to do a second playthrough of the campaign because that would be right about a dollar per hour um I would say uh, yes, just because um, it's like going on a road trip where there's nothing in the game that makes makes me want to go back and like, like there are some things where you can play around with different builds of your characters, um, different ways to play, but in terms of a lot of the replay value lies in getting to experience the world. And that is, that is valid. Go through the Like if a story is just really good, then, you know, like I don't mind playing through it again. Like welcome Knights of the old Republic. I've played every class and every build of that about three or four (laughs) times over. And I still go back and play the game because, you know, I like the story. I like the world. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it may actually be on sale right now. I don't know. I don't think this is a game that's going to go on sale a lot, unfortunately. Um, but I would I would really recommend it. I would personally recommend it to you and Jake. Um, actually go and play this game. Just because it's all... If nothing else, it's a break from any other game you've played it for a while. It is currently Take 10% little... off on Steam. So oh, you can pick nice. it up for thirteen forty nine. That's solid. Yeah, I I would say... So, yeah, I, and I, I've been guys. I've been looking for other games to play, just kind of yeah expand. And, uh, that's that is the one other thing is that it's weird. It's out there. It's wild, but it's very chill. It's '90s chill. If you're looking to just like really zone yeah. out and just play, just like play a game for a while, like um, I would recommend anyone who's on the fence look up. Um, 
I would say look up the fight the fight theme. The entire OST is on YouTube. Go look up the battle music from Hylix 2 and notice how it really is not like it's more like Toe Jam and Earl than it is Final <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> right. Um, look at the trailer. The trailer's up on YouTube. It'll give you a really good sense of what's going on as the first frame is two leather gloves grabbing the horns of Wayne and pulling his black jumpsuit body up through the ether. My my favorite review, I'm looking at some of the reviews on the Steam page, my favorite review of it so far is, you can actually experience this game for only 5 to $10 depending on how much acid costs where you live. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's lovely. Um, all right, yeah. I'll, I'll, fuck it. It. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll uh, I'll have some things to say, and I'll have my review of uh, I think Spec Ops: The Line, and then I'll probably need something. Yeah, we'll have this going in the background because my next uh, PlayStation game is going to be a bit of a long one, so I gotta give myself some time for that. I gotta play some of these short games intermittently um, to keep them flowing each week. But we've got something else to talk about on this independence day edition of the Saturn studs podcast. Uh, and that is a, uh, political com- comedy, uh, from John Stewart starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne and Mackenzie Davis, who you have to go real deep into the cast list, the finder, even though she was kind of an important character. Who, who, uh, who was that? Diana? She was the, the daughter, Diane or Diana, yeah. whatever. Um, Oh, yeah, wow. And so, that's I mean, wasn't a fan of she Terminator Dark Fate, but that's not, that's not on trial right now. Oh, I knew she looked familiar. Um, yeah, so this movie, I really don't know how I feel about this movie. For a comedy, it was extremely light on laughs. Um, a lot of it was more like the the last week tonight style of I'm gonna just like rant about something for a while and then punctuate it with something that has the cadence of a joke but isn't necessarily funny versus more of a daily show humor driving the the narrative sort of thing um yeah I don't know like I it wasn't what I wanted out of it I think did you you just want a more comedy I could I wanted a comedy and what I got like I agree with the messaging of it I think most people will but Mm -hmm. at the same time it just felt like especially the reveal at the end it just felt like a cheap way to get there and I'm like okay so all the time I invested in this movie was a giant waste because it didn't make me laugh a whole lot there I mean I laughed there were times when I laughed especially when they did the fucking Jurassic Park homage um that got me but like they were they were too few and far between a lot of it i just felt like i was watching an episode of like veep or a bad episode of veep or like the newsroom or something like that newsroom's probably a better example because that's not really a comedy uh there are some like humor in the bits in there every now and then but like overall i just it it's not a bad movie it's just misadvertised and misrepresented, I feel. That's a good assessment of it, I would say. Um, I agree. I think the it was it was I, you know it was easy enough for me to watch. Um, although I will say it drags a little bit toward the end of the second yeah. act. I, I recall like I noticed that because 
I'm I'm not like super perceptive to these things. I'm not like okay, it's dragging here. This is so slow. I just remember that that was the place where I felt a pause. And if I'm subconsciously like pausing the movie for whatever reason, um, I just sort of that's just that's a cue to me that it's probably not holding my interest. Um, yeah, I would say my main criticism, if anything, it's a little it's a little ham handed. Uh, in just the, its repetition of its its message, which is, I mean, I'll tell it right now because it's the thesis statement comes down the beginning and it's just this really really clear through line, a little too clear, I would say, uh, all the way through the end is that um, money and unpersonality, like dispersonal um, politics, is becoming dispersonal. Basically, is the thesis of this film that it's all it's all math, as Steve Carell says. Uh, in the movie, you know, one of his lines there, and the whole movie's about that, and um, I think it's, well, I would say it's a little biased, only in that John Stewart uh, is trying to call out the the uh, the Democratic Party just for uh, not trying to connect with people. I don't know, that's one of, I guess, that's one of the big um, statements there. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's so. I'll, it's all right. I would say it's it's, I, it's not bad. We'll put it that way for sure. Um, it could. It's in the. It's firmly in the could be better category. Yeah, it's certainly not the worst movie we've talked about in recent weeks. But it's. I mean, I guess considering we've talked about mm-hmm. Artemis Fowl and some other shit in recent weeks, <laughs> it might be the best movie. But, uh, it's yeah. it's not leading the the race for. Uh, pleasant surprise or best picture in my mind for 2020 yeah. it's um it's just like sort of john stewart's meditation on uh, you know on politics as he sees it today his voice comes through oh yeah like, loud and clear even even if it's not his you know it's not all his comedy it's, i don't know john stewart may be out of laughs at this well, especially if you if you listen to um uh john stewart on the rogan podcast that he just had um you kind of get more of like an indication of like who he is as a person because on the daily show, I mean, a lot of his jokes were written by a staff of writers and I mean, he put his own twist on, I'm sure he had his input, but he's also talking from other people and who are writing his jokes. And he's like, yeah, I like this This is funny. Sure. Um, but he really comes off as, as a more, uh, empathetic person, uh, you know, he really cares. I mean, this is a guy who fought for 9-11 people. He, he fought for, he's fighting for veterans uh, who are really in a, having a lot of health issues and are not being protected by the government. Um, and, and even that, I mean, he, John Stewart has a farm of sheep and goats and pigs. And uh, I don't know if he has any cows, but the farm is from, he, he rescues uh, what are they like slaughter not slaughterhouse but like uh, these industrial farm animals that have been genetically modified to where they they can't hold their own weight or the the chickens like breasts are super big and they, they can't even carry themselves around so he has this farm where he rescues these animals just to like give him a, a good place to live because he is really just he, he's a he's a sweetheart john stewart and he's he is funny um and I saw that come through a little bit in this, uh, to the point well, no where one, no one's disputing his humanity or humor, just that 
and he directed this movie. I don't think no. that he was the one writer on it. I'll look that up now, see how many writers were attached right. to this. I can't imagine that Steve Carell and Rose Byrne and any of the others didn't have any input on this. I think that would be so. Uh, John Stewart is he listed those... as the only writer, but yeah, uh, yeah, okay. this is like his movie, his his that because I think his he's only done a couple things. This and um, Rosewater, yeah. This is, I will see. This is another example of Steve Carell, uh, late middle age, life affirming sort of uh, dramedy. So I, I like this movie. I think he just uh, wanted to go back and work of... with John Stewart. Because, you know, yeah, outside I mean, of Dana Carvey, both... John Stewart really gave him a start. Hmm? Yeah, they're, they're, they're both funny guys. And, and I think I think uh, Steve Carell was a, was a good pick for him. A little odd just because I've, I've seen him in other things. Uh, uh, and I have to kind of like suspend that disbelief to an extent. Um, but I think he did, a, he did a very good job. And he does a very good job of not being likable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like he really. I, I really that. think. I really think that that was like the message. Like, hey, here's this, here's this uh, DNC executive who is like, oh, I'm I'm laid back. I'm low key, but he's not. He he wants things a particular way. He's very particular he's... about things. And you know what? He kind of has a taste for the the bougie lifestyle. And he 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 likes yeah. you know the. the even though caprese salad isn't what I would say bougie, but it's like make sure that's catered on the plane. I really like that. It was like, could you get that for me? But really, he's saying, give me that caprese salad. But I don't want to yeah. seem like a like a like a stiff. Yeah, I've seen those guys where they are, you know, high strung, prissy, sort of all the all the worst, the embodiment of the worst traits that uh, those that kind of folk likes to think they don't have. Um, I will also say this movie has. I think it's we're about ready to get into into the meat of this here. I will say if um, there are a couple of scenes which are which he really gives the actors room to to like have an acting scene. It's time for me to have an acting scene. And the one scene I think of is um, where the colonel. We'll talk about this during the spoilers, but in general, the colonel has to make a speech to a bunch of donors for his campaign. And I really like that scene. They let um, who is the actor Chris on Cooper. that? Yeah. Oh, Chris, Chris yeah. They let Chris Cooper just really like here, do your acting thing. Time to go. Yeah. And he he just sort of lets loose on that. And I let, that scene stood out to me. Um. So yeah, I, I guess I would recommend this movie. Just know that you're not going into. It's not like uh. It's it was weird for me to see Chris Cooper in uh. A more serious role because the the only thing else I'd seen him in was uh, he was the bad guy in the 2011 Muppets movie. He was Tex uh-huh. Richmond. Yes, Tex Richmond. Um, yeah, movie's worth seeing. I think if it's, I mean, compared to the other stuff we've been watching, if you're yeah. starved, if you really are starved for stuff, I'm not saying this is the only scrap of content on the yeah. plate here. In, in Corona times, but um, this is certainly like I'll put it like watch. this. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay to see this movie. I wouldn't pay full price. I'd say wait for it to be like a lower price rental or just like free on Prime or something like that. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how long they're gonna charge for this, but I don't think it's worth twenty dollars to see, personally. 
no this is i think this is a good ten dollar movie if you're gonna buy it on dvd for 10 bucks and add it to your collection on your However, shelf that's what i that's where i think this movie we did belongs. we did get three box. viewings out of it for 48 hours so yeah we got we squeezed yeah, we, we squeezed the juice out of it, for it. <laughs> yeah but like i'm saying um, for like someone else like wait for it to be on Redbox. no support john stewart he needs the money yeah but i also <laughs> want to reinforce like good directorial behavior i, th- I think he directed it right. is it all right i think it was uh, it's fine. i don't know i, I don't think again I, so i like this movie let's talk about i like it. this movie let's and talk about i compare this seats. to like kind of like the daily show um where like it's kind of boring to sit there and just talk about certain aspects of politics. I mean, would you like to sit through a mundane movie where it talks about how crappy and how uh, hypocritical the DNC is? Or I how, mean, that's kind of uh, what kinda, this movie was. <laughs> yeah, but it lightened it up with, with comedy in it. It tried to. I don't think it succeeded I, well, I in think, many places. I think you missed some of the comedy, but it's okay. I, I think there was a lot of comedy in it that was like... Okay, we, they had all the uh, all the different ethnicities at the DNC desk, and they were like holding hands, and you know that was a funny moment when they're like, "We have to stand together." And it just it may not be your normal like setup punchline, haha! Oh, what a funny joke! It was like a it was a, a observation. Are you trying of the to DNC that was funny? Suggest that I didn't miss those things, Jake. I just didn't think they were funny. Well, it was very dry. Yeah. That's I. That's my opinion on this. A lot of the stuff was very dry, very just like we're gonna put it in, um, and a lot of it seemed like sort of vignettes. Like that's why I think that's why I think the Daily Show sort of voice came through really well on it because uh, really strongly is because a lot of it was like here's the scene where he talks about here's the scene where they discuss like old donors who are too rich for their own good <laughs> yeah. or whatever and um. We're in spoilers right now. Like I'm, I'm speaking specifically of the fucking yeah. robo. Yeah, that was one of the funny parts of the movie. <laughs> like the few genuine laughs that got out of me because he comes in, they're doing the Jurassic Park thing with the glass of water on the table shaking, and then they have the fucking sing-songy robot voice that no one can really understand, and then he just fucking rises from the dead and has a fever <laughs> dream, and then he dies like three seconds Elections later. Elections are hell. Like that was. The movie could have done with more humor like that, I feel. Like, mm-hmm. there were a lot of dry bits, and there were things that were funny, like, let's not have all the black cows in the center, he's running as a moderate. <laughs> like, there were laughs to be had, but they were few and far between. And I think a lot of things, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's just like, they came across as like, okay, I get, I get it. But they kept going back to the well right. for that same sort of style joke. Like, I get that, yeah, these people aren't country bumpkins, but that they're playing into what the, the perception of the DC elite of them is to, like, get them to keep going here. Like, I got that, like, a third of the way through the movie, but that was, like, one of the running gags they kept hitting. And after a while, I'm like, this, I don't know. Okay, we're we're done here. Yeah, right, diminishing returns. On the same thing, um, I don't know. I so this I, what brought me some joy was was not not quite a head cannon, but Jake, uh, I'll describe this to you. This reminded me until they did the twist, right? 
the way that these two, like, because Steve Carell's the Democratic candidate and Rose Byrne's playing the uh, Republican manager. And what they're doing is they're having a proxy war between these two candidates um, to help secure some nebulous goal. And it reminded me, it made me think of, like, two high-level warlocks in (laughs) D&D who have their, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one's one's patron is the Democratic Party. The other's patron is the fucking Republican Party, and they're having a warlock battle in this small yeah. town. Also, I would like to add that Rose Byrne's character was highly underutilized in this movie. I really I thought so. she was oh, going to yeah. have a bigger role in here, but I, they should have put Mackenzie Davis on the poster because honestly, she had the bigger role in this movie. Like Rose Byrne shows up about I don't know a third for the movie, something like that. And yeah. then she has mm-hmm. maybe a half dozen scenes, and they're usually pretty short. I think I think it'd be it'd be nice yeah. to see more of like behind the scenes on the on the Republican, uh, the Republican mm-hmm. would it be RNC R- Republican yeah. National Committee. Um, it'd be cool to see like what they were thinking of the, at the time to be like their strategy. Oh crap, yeah, we gotta like... we gotta go down there and like pump some money into it, like. I get it. The billboard was like their introduction into it. And he was like, ah, I know what happened. Yeah, they did a lot they're, of the telling and not a lot of the showing. Like, at least it was like yeah. largely. Yeah, and like, I can see like, that's the perspective you want to shoot. Whatever. Fine. But and I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong, but it was something that happened where the story was told through the perspective of Gary and he would say, okay, the Republicans are countering our action with their action. Let me tell you what that action is rather than showing the Republicans putting together that strategy and launching it, which may have been like a timing thing, may have been a pacing issue. I didn't see all the film reel, but I feel like mm-hmm. you're only showing the one side. Like maybe that's the that's the bigger point, but I yeah. I Again, think. I don't know. Maybe John Stewart was concerned about dipping into that RNC because maybe his experience was more with with the DNC and he knows a little bit more about how they operate. So dipping into the criticisms of the RNC because I think what's nice about this is like John Stewart's very democratic and he I mean obviously and it's basically him saying, "Hey, my own party has its really big faults." So maybe he thought if he hammered the RNC a little bit more it would have felt well, I'm not uh, even saying like hammer them with criticism I'm like I saying know, show their their war room more <laughs> like yeah but I also think that that would be a nice place to put in jokes as well yeah too. like, like show, you could have I think that, like that was a funny foil. part yeah like this well, movie had no foil really I, no yeah I will say I think Part of it, part of why these there might not be so many jokes is because that John Stewart, I think, just is already of the opinion that this is all just a fucking giant joke anyway. Like, because I think about when he's talking about the packs. And he puts yes, them that in the was corner. funny. I like that. Like, yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's just John. Like, he looks over the wording of of the bills because like that was one. That's one of well, his that pet was causes. Col- is he Colbert had a recurring hat? Colbert the, the was packs. packs. He won a Peabody yeah. for that actually. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, because it was really fucking informative. Like, um, and John Stewart just sort of took that ball and ran with it, where he's just like, "No, this is literally what, you know, the comedy is just. This is literally what packs yeah. do." 
It's it's just naturally absurd. Then, and he also um, talked about the media quite a bit too, and and I think that's also his like one of his pet peeves. Yes, uh, the part is, at is the, the end media. with the media the, personalities where they just fucking yeah. say it. They just hang that lampshade. That was that was, that was pretty good. That was um, yes. Then, but then he, I think he leaves. He put a lot of ideas into this movie. We'll say that because the fact that there are three different endings, which he's just like, I don't know which one. Here, have them all. <laughs> I don't know if that was needed. That was, I think, the thing that I didn't like because I was like, the credits start rolling, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why? Like, oh, that was kind of right indirect. The first time. Yeah, that was like direct because like the first ending is in direct contradiction of the fucking uh, like last scene that the characters share together yes right the personal arc of steve carell's yeah character. and then then they or, do um, the, the gag ending and i'm like okay <laughs> and then they did like i guess ostensibly the real ending and i was like we should have just gone straight to that yeah i think that would have been fine you could have cut that sexual tension from the beginning and like understood that they were they were probably gonna get oh, together it's not like end. it was subtle they were basically like no ah. she licks his face and she does, in fact, lick his face. And then she's like, oh, <laughs> loser eats the winner's pussy for an hour. And it's like, okay, you can be a little less hand-fisted with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I it was just back. fuck so already. He, the, uh, he just had... Movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going around in that cranium that he just wanted to put into a movie. I don't think he... It's one of those things. It might have been... This might have been one of his babies, you know? And you know, with babies, you can never put them in the right yeah. position. They never rest well. They they wake up. In the yeah, middle. I haven't seen Rosewater, so I don't know. And this is only his like second movie. Yeah, so literally, I think it's second. I movie. understand like there's going to be growing pains and all that, and uh, you know, I I don't want him to stop, but I feel like the next time you venture into the, the like. There were mistakes made with this movie, and there's mistakes made with a lot of movies. It's not mm. not trying to criticize the filmmaking technique too much because it was it was there. Um, you know, I had my issues with the writing, or really not just the writing. It was more so the marketing. If they market it more as like a a, a darker, drier comedy, uh, I think that would have been more preferable to know what we're getting into. But like, it didn't have. I was expecting comedy more akin to like the old daily show skits like i i always yeah. think of grandfatherland um with the you know right. old folks home trying to annex this other territory <laughs> and like you know steve colbert luring the guy into like making the nazi fucking hand sign <laughs> uh that's yeah i mean and there was some sure. of that to be had i just think it could have done with more because there were times where the movie dragged because it was it was too much consecutive like drama minutes and i don't know if i don't know if it's hard to put skits into like movies too well, much i'm not it saying seems like, like there a were... skit as a skit i'm saying like that i know style like of punchline a... yeah and i mean there were because there were certain instances of it like the um when when cnn was like and now for the first ever the duo decatron or whatever yeah. they they called it where they had like the 12 panels up there all talking at once and i'm like all right that's pretty funny um but it was like a little too i don't know corny or something like that i don't know if that, if that like if it, it didn't fit right in the style of movie so i don't it felt think it forced at times 
Yeah. It was yeah. I think I think that's what it is. Is it the feeling of forced uh, didn't fit the tone of the entire movie? Because at certain times it was like, okay, we're trying to be serious, but how can you have a serious movie also include this outrageous bit that they're doing on on CNN and or whatever uh, news outlet, you know? But it definitely took a lot of shots at the media, which is one of the the main things to that John expected, Stewart likes yeah. to hit on. Uh, you know, because he's gone on Fox and gone on CNN and, and roasted Tucker Carlson and uh, yes, the honestly his O'Reilly stuff. Interview. His honestly his O'Reilly stuff is funny as hell. Just like him and him and O'Reilly going back and forth, just oh, just yeah. jabbing at each other. Legendary, but battles. they're like, but they're like also friendly to each other in, in a certain way, which is I think well, that's yeah, John Stewart's one of his ground. favorite parts about politics. Yeah. Is finding that middle ground. It's like me and my Uncle Chris. My Uncle Chris is like very far right on a lot of issues, and I'm more center left. But we have a lot of commonalities in our beliefs. We're just like on like six or seven different issues, just on the complete opposite side of the fence. And I think that's more like indicative of reality than the radical tribalism that we see in politics today well one of the things that you know I, I totally forgot from from history um and hamilton reminded me of it watching that last night um was that it used to be how the uh the runner-up was, was the, the vice VP. president yeah and i'm like can you imagine if we had that i could not like <laughs> There's a reason like they did the away with that rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess the the concept of like your VP is somebody who should have a little bit different opinions than a carbon copy of you. Oh yeah, no, um, like there were a lot of policies a and ideas they had back then. Like when Washington said, "Don't form political parties," that was a good idea. We yeah. didn't listen to him. <laughs> well, yeah, they they did. I mean, they didn't know. They, we were still developing. You know, this was a new frontier for, uh, I would say, for political science, you know, as as one of the first, like, w- I mean, we pretty much copied the Air Corps in the new age model of government. That's true. The uh, yeah, the Republic yeah. sort of uh, convening there. Um, but, you know, they I guess I would chalk it up to they really didn't understand the the implications of first past the post. Yeah. Um, because that's what a lot of a lot of researchers today are Ranked saying. Ranked choice know, is probably this better, stuff yeah. is why. Th- right, single transferable vote. There, the voting system sort of uh, it it incentivizes the the climate that we have today, yeah. and we're we're just sort of putting that all together right now. Whether it was known by others before, we're we're discovering or rediscovering that now. Um, yeah, so I, I I guess what I would say is check it out if you like John Stewart's stuff. Um, it's don't yeah don't come in ready for a bucket of laughs. Yeah, don't but don't come in. Ready don't to be expect like, like the campaign, but don't expect like Frost Nixon or what's what's a big political drama? I don't know any of those. Yeah, something that's yeah. very um, dry. And don't 
I I would also say I'd wager if you if you know John Stewart and you know his stuff, I would say don't come in expecting anything new, any any yeah. hot takes. That's, yeah. that's these are some pretty readily established yeah, opinions. It uh, certainly was. I guess we should talk about the the big reveal at the end where it was the the town conspired yes. together to funnel the money they needed into the town through this election economy. Because every year, every four years, they show up because Wisconsin's the swing state, and they pump all this money into campaigning, and they make all these promises, and they go away and they don't act on them. So they took the money in, and they were able to like save their high school and all that. Uh, which you know, I I don't know exactly what point of the movie I knew that was where it was going to come in. I think it was the dinner when he gave when he couldn't give the speech very well. I, I kind of figure that like, mm-hmm. okay, there's something else going on here because he didn't really seem interested in, in the whole campaign and he didn't seem like he was the candidate they thought he was throughout the movie and I found that odd. So like this, this I don't think I got the twist exactly, but it didn't come as a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. You know what? I just put this together right now. Probably how this whole movie came about is John was reading pack stuff. He was reading pack literature. And he came across this scenario. He came across some of these the the uh, loopholes, and he's like, "What if someone did this? What if someone bamboozled an entire fucking huge campaign system and fleeced him out of a shit ton of money, and and never produced a political result because of it? And it's all legal." I feel like that was the germ from which this movie. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like that, or or he he was just shooting the shit run one night, drinking with Stephen Colbert. Or some of his other political friends and just like what if man what if they did this hey that'd be a good idea for a movie i mean yeah as a takedown of like the current campaign finance system i think it it, it functions quite well as that it was just not what i expected or necessarily wanted from this movie um that being said if you if you've, you've heard what we've had to say and you are still interested then you know watch it but be of the frame of mind that we are not you're not exactly in for like uh the campaign with zach galifianakis and will ferrell style of comedy um you're in for for a little bit different of an experience i still would say that i don't necessarily recommend paying full price for this movie i will have to give it like a a middling 5.6 out of 10 on my my scale to dust the dust that off and I mean that's that's about where where like people are in in terms of reviewing it. They're half and half. <laughs> yeah. They're another year or there about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, that's gonna do it yeah. for episode two nineteen, I think, or whatever. Whatever I said at the beginning. Two eighteen, two nineteen. One of the, <laughs> one of those numbers. Um. Rewind and and, and listen to us then. Yeah. Uh. So. <laughs> Be sure to check out Central Florida Film Review and hit Josh up if you're interested in having a advertisement made for you. Um, again, twenty bucks is a heck of a deal for something like that. Um, and uh, you can check us out on Twitch if you aren't busy for Fourth of July. I know a lot of places are locking back down or still in lockdown, so if you can't mm-hmm. go out for fireworks, we will be live on Twitch. Or at least uh, Peter and I will be, I believe. Uh, we'll be doing some more fractured but whole. And uh, depending upon how 
we finish that, if we do, uh, we could be doing something else. I don't think we're in line to finish, but who knows? We've been wrong before. So check us out, twitch.tv slash Saturn Studs. You can check us out on social media, Twitter at StudSaturn, Facebook.com backslash Saturn Studs. Links to that, our YouTube channel, and everything we do basically can be found at the very conveniently easy-to-remember website, SaturnStuds.com. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Bye-bye.